welcome to another episode of the Elizabethtown College Special Education Program Podcast. I'm Jennifer, and in today's podcast, I'll be talking about strategies, interventions, and so much more relating to students with emotional and behavioral disorders. The IDEA, which is the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, currently defines emotional disturbance as a condition that exhibits one or more of the following characteristics. An inability to learn that cannot be explained by intellectual, sensory, or health factors, an inability to build or maintain satisfactory interpersonal relationships with peers and teachers, inappropriate types of behavior or feelings under normal circumstances, a general pervasive mood of unhappiness or depression, a tendency to develop physical symptoms or fears associated with personal or school problems. The characteristics must be exhibited over a long period of time and to a marked degree that adversely affects a child's educational performance. As defined by IDEA, emotional disturbance includes schizophrenia, but does not apply to children who are socially maladjusted unless it is determined that they have an emotional disturbance. The definition of the disorder is constantly changing due to new research. The causes of the disorder are usually unknown, and causal factors such as trauma are only contributors. They are certainly not the only cause or factors that play a role in the development of EBD. There are multiple factors that play into why a student might have EBD, and there is always ongoing research relating to all the complexities of the disorder. So moving on to how classroom teachers can cater to the unique needs of students with EBD. For my graduate research project, I decided to look into how to best help students with emotional behavioral disorders succeed academically and socially in the general education classroom. I first became interested in this topic because of what I was seeing in my field experiences in schools. I was seeing children with emotional behavioral needs who were acting out and who were testing limits. I found that throughout my experiences in the field, I was in classrooms where students with EBD were a disruption to class instruction and even posed a threat to student safety. They were a threat for themselves and for others. That was something that was eye-opening for me. It was hard to see the students struggling to self-regulate or to advocate for themselves by explaining what they were feeling and if there was a cause for that feeling. On the flip side, it was frustrating for me to see teachers who had to fully stop instruction for more than five minutes due to an issue that they were having with a select student or a select few students. The instructional pause was something that was recurring. It wasn't a once and done scenario. I witnessed instructional pauses multiple times a day. In my opinion, how a teacher or other professional handles a scenario where a student is having an outburst is very important. I think that the way a professional handles certain scenarios can have a ripple effect. It can affect how that individual with emotional and behavioral needs views themselves. It can affect how their classmates view them. It can affect attitudes towards inclusion. And it can affect the overall learning experience. Sometimes I would be in a classroom and think, how do we get to this point where a student's behavior has escalated to where it's dangerous and highly disruptive? What types of steps were taken before this to prevent the behavior from escalating? I would question teachers about what they were doing to help the student or students in their classroom. Some of the teachers had an individualized behavior system in place. However, I found that they were not always effective. When making an individualized behavior system, it's important to take students' motivators into consideration. 
Are students working towards a visit with another teacher? Are they working towards earning a sticker? Are they working hard to get a compliment from you or another professional staff member in the room? We need to see what works for each student. What motivates one student might not motivate another student, and that is totally okay. Students should always have some sort of a say in what they want to work towards, and it's also great if we can use parents as a resource in that process. Parents can fill in the gaps that we might not see at school, so there might be something that they love to do at home that they never shared with you. You can definitely incorporate their likes into motivators. I had a student who had some emotional and behavioral needs in one of my placements, and he absolutely loved getting caught being good. And that in itself was motivating to him. He thrived off of public acknowledgement of how well he was doing completing tasks. Again, that might not be effective for every student, so it's important to pay attention to body language and reactions. From my conversations with teachers and staff members at different schools, I came to the conclusion that there was a lack of access to support, strategies, and interventions to mitigate problem behaviors. Classroom teachers who were alone were having difficulties with simultaneously teaching and managing behaviors. As someone who understands the benefits of having students with special needs in the general education classroom, it was sad and difficult to see how outbursts were being handled and to hear how those situations were making other students in the classroom feel. If the student was able to be removed from the classroom, oftentimes immediately following, I would hear students in the class making some pretty hurtful statements. They said things like they were relieved that the particular student was gone and how they finally had some peace and quiet. Some even went as far to say as they didn't like that student. It was coming from a place of frustration and helplessness. They didn't know how to help. They didn't know how to make the situation better. Wow, that made me sad, but I understood that from their perspective, that's how they felt. It's so important that everyone's feelings are valued and heard. They don't need to always be voiced in public, but if we give our students opportunities to voice them in a way that is private and appropriate, that will empower them. It is so important for our students with and without EBZ to know that they can share their feelings. I think that getting our students to recognize what they are feeling and when they are feeling it might even help to recognize trends. For example, starting out with I felt blank when blank types of sentences help our students to identify what they're feeling and a certain cause. Then, as teachers, we can think about how to help our students work through that frustration. When I dug a little deeper and engaged students in productive conversations, I learned that a lot of the other students in those classrooms felt that they were unsafe. They did not feel like that student who had emotional and behavioral needs was someone they could be friends with because he or she was a threat to classroom safety. Of course, I turned those into teachable moments, and we talked about how that student was not a bad person, but they might have trouble making good choices. As educators, as inclusion advocates, we want the students in our classrooms to understand that some students struggle with emotional regulation, just like other students might struggle in a particular academic area. As I said before, we want our students to know that the student with emotional and behavioral needs is not a bad person, but they just need some extra help making the right choices. And it's our job as a class to make sure that's happening. That brings me to the strategy of student partnership and how important that can be for a student with EBD to form relationships in the classroom. 
Partner work, appropriate peer models, and socialization can help a student with EBD understand what is expected of them as a learner and fellow classroom community member. Students with EBD should never be isolated from other peers. That is certainly not inclusion. Inclusion is not only physically being in the classroom, but also being allowed the opportunity to be an active participant. Unfortunately, we cannot control what is going on in our students' home environment, but we can control the environment we create in school. All students want to feel safe, valued, and cared for while they're at school. When teaching students with EBD, it is really important to focus on the contributing factors that can be controlled in a classroom setting. Some of these strategies, such as using positive reinforcement, peer collaboration, social-emotional education, and motivational strategies, have already been previously mentioned, but I think it's valuable to repeat them. Implementing some or all of these strategies in a classroom setting can help to mitigate problem behaviors. Some other great strategies to use to support students with emotional and behavioral needs in our classrooms are allowing brain breaks and fidget toys. Both of these strategies allow for learners to self-regulate, if implemented with clear guidelines. We want our students to know how to appropriately ask for these breaks and take them when they feel they really need them. Some students might try and take advantage of a brain break, so we have to be careful about how we implement them. Fidget toys are another tool that can be used to help students with EBD reset in a way that's not distracting to others. Many teachers are hesitant to use them in their classrooms because of jealousy and distractibility, but again, if implemented with clear expectations, they can be a great tool. Another way to help students with EBD follow along with class directions and rules is to keep them clear and simple. Less is more. Otherwise, students with EBD might get confused, which can lead to frustration. Many teachers have also found token economies and self-monitoring systems to be an effective way for students to work towards appropriate behavior in the general education classroom setting. Token economy systems where a student earns points or some variation of tokens for appropriate behaviors can keep a student engaged and motivated. Token economy systems can help teach students the work first and then have fun mentality. Be sure to switch the rewards around so that students are not bored of working for the same thing over and over again. Self-monitoring systems allow students to take control of rating their own behaviors, which can give them the opportunity to take ownership of their actions and develop a greater sense of accountability. Some of the research that I conducted surrounding success for students with EBD in general education classrooms highlighted the importance of better training for teaching staff and more flexible options for responding to student behaviors within the special education classroom. Any trauma-informed care training program that is catered towards creating trauma-sensitive classrooms is a great way to implement evidence-based practices to help students with EBD. Research shows that many individuals with EBD have experienced some type of trauma in their lives that might prevent them from being able to engage in a classroom environment in a safe and appropriate way. Being trauma-informed means that a teacher or other professional staff member understands the role that past trauma can have on present behaviors and will focus on healing rather than bringing up past traumas. 
Being trauma-informed means comprehending de-escalation strategies, building trust, and having a general idea of why students might be exhibiting certain behaviors. An easy saying to remember from trauma-informed programs is calm, connect, and coach. We have to calm the child and meet them on their level. We cannot help a child while they are in fight-or-flight mode. If we try to match their level, they will just go a step further in their fight response. Once we meet them where they are and help them calm down, we can help them work towards their goals. Of course, all the strategies shared in this podcast will not work for every child and may have to be altered from student to student. However, these practices are research-based and have proven to be effective for other educators. I hope at the end of this podcast, you are walking away with some more strategies, interventions, and tools in your toolkits to help individuals with emotional and behavioral needs in your inclusion classrooms. Just remember to always be welcoming, be calm, be patient, and you will be able to make a lasting impact on the lives of students with EBD in your classrooms. Thank you so much for listening. Now go out there and make a difference.